0: of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Well, welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. And it is great to be here, and I am so glad you have chosen to listen today and uh, go on this journey with me through the Psalm Project. And uh, I have been thoroughly blessed, and just um, it's been a formative uh, experience so far. And here we are, almost one-sixth of the way through the Psalm Project, because today we're covering Psalm uh, 23, and then later this week, Psalm 24. And so <laughs> it's it seems like we've been at it a lot longer than we have because here we are in May and uh, we've made it through one-sixth of the book of Psalms. And uh, I expect that by the end of the year, um, we will complete just under a hundred Psalms at the pace we are currently going and then we will finish up next year. And so this keeps me busy. Uh, it keeps me focused. It's not always bad to be busy. For me, it's a good thing. And so this also has just been very formative to look into these Psalms uh, for myself and hopefully for you, but for myself certainly to look into these Psalms and, and see the different perspectives on them. Uh, the Psalms that we have covered so far have been Psalms of David. And uh, as I've mentioned before, he did not write all the Psalms, but he wrote a great majority of them. And so we are here at Psalm 23, and this is perhaps, it is certainly one of the best-known psalms, period, uh, because it is often read at funeral services, memorial services, Uh, but I want to look at it in a different light. Often, this psalm is associated with grief and death, but it is really a joyful psalm, and it's a psalm of confidence. Um... It's a a literary unity with two governing metaphors expressing God's care and goodness. And so there are two aspects that you will see in this psalm, the shepherd and the banquet table. And we will look at this, like, like I said, it's a very familiar psalm, but hopefully you can see it in a different perspective and in a different light, where this is not just a psalm for a time of grief and death, but really it's more a... A psalm for times of confidence and and a joyous psalm, a psalm in which we can rejoice. So let's read together, or you can listen if you want. Psalm chapter 23. There are six verses, so here's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this psalm, as I mentioned, as I'm reading it, you're probably going, oh yeah, I've heard that, or yeah, I know exactly what's coming. This presents to us two images, the image of the shepherd, and then at the end, the image of the banquet table. And the image of God as a shepherd is inexhaustibly rich. We see it throughout scripture. The shepherd stays and remains with his flock. Uh, Isaiah forty eleven. he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with the young. So the shepherd's sheep are totally dependent on him for food and water and protection from the wild animals. David would have known this because he was, before he was king, a shepherd. In the New Testament, Jesus is revealed as the shepherd of his his people. In John chapter 10, uh, verse 11, listen to this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And then in Psalm 63, verses 9 through 12, In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, therefore he turned to be their enemy. And he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself An everlasting name. So Jesus throughout the scripture, either in a prophetic manner or in a metaphorical manner, but really, this is a literal sense. Jesus is our shepherd. He is revealed as the shepherd of his people, and he fulfills the prophecy that God will come to shepherd his people. Listen to this in Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 7. I'm going to read through verse 16. to put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. So this is sort of a prophetic uh, Ezekiel here obviously referencing Jesus Christ as the the sheep the shepherd of the sheep this image of Jesus being the shepherd and we his people being the sheep is persistent it is pervasive throughout scripture and you know if you've ever worked with sheep or seen sheep I mean, people know they're very dumb animals. (laughs) I don't think the scripture is calling us dumb, but really emphasizing our total dependence on the Lord. We see in the New Testament where Jesus discusses the shepherd going after the one lost sheep. Out of a hundred sheep, he leaves the 99 and goes for the one. There's a terrible worship song out, and you've probably heard it. Uh, It's called Reckless Love. It's a terrible use of the word reckless. I don't know how that made it to recording without someone uh, pitching in their thoughts on that and saying, hey, this is probably a bad idea. But it did. People sing it. And uh, and in explanation to justify that use of the term reckless, many people will say, well, from a human perspective, it is reckless uh, to leave the 99 and go after the one. But no, when Jesus said, uh, when it was discussing this he said who of you would not go after the one who of you would not leave the 99 and go after the one the one in other words that was the logical thing to do that was not a reckless move that was something a shepherd was expected to do god's love is anything but reckless it is pointed it is um it is intentional it is direct it is not reckless (laughs) And so it is not careless. God's love is anything but that. And here the psalmist David is expressing his trust in the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, I shall not want. The shepherd provides for his people. I want to tell you a story about a guy named William Randolph Hearst. You may have heard of this guy. He was a famous newspaper guy that lived out in California, and he was rich. I mean, loaded upon loaded with money. And he was also a collector and lover of art. He loved collecting art. And he would buy and purchase art at at auctions, and, and he collected art. And one day he saw this piece of art. I don't know what it was, if it was a sculpture or a painting, whatever it was. He saw this piece of art that he just felt like he had to get. And, And so he got one of his guys. He had servants or whoever, people working for him. He said, listen, I need you to find this. I need it. And so... He sent his guys out to find this piece of art, whatever it was. And they searched and searched and looked. And they came back to him and they said, Mr. Hurst, we have found the piece of art. And we want you to know we found it for you. And he goes, great, where is it so that I can get it? And they said, you're never going to believe this. It's in your storehouse. (laughs) So the one thing that William Randolph Hurst thought that he needed, that he just had to have, he already had. And that's kind of the idea here that David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't want, I don't desire anything because he provides everything that I need. Yet how many of us, and I am guilty of this as much as anyone, if not more, how many of us strive and strive and strive? If we could just have that one thing, that one degree, that one job, that, you know, more money, more Education, whatever the case may be, and ultimately it does not satisfy. And then he goes on, and he says in verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sort of forces it in a stint, in a sense. He leads me, he restores me, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he does these things not just for us and our benefit, but really for his glory. And so these verses extend the metaphor of the shepherd's care for his sheep, the Lord lovingly cares for his people. And then in verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen to this in Job chapter 10 verses 21 and 22, before I go and I shall not return to the land of darkness and deep shadow, the land of gloom like thick darkness. Like deep shadow without any order, where light is as thick darkness. And so, this metaphor of the valley of the shadow of death you know, you you think about the progression here the valley, that's bad. Of the shadow, well, it's getting worse. Of death, oh, that's the worst it can get. And yet David here, the psalmist, sort of writes it off. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, the worst of the worst, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was used to fight wild animals and the staff to direct the flock. So there's a double duty here that God has. He directs his people and he fights off the enemy. And then in verse Five and six, we see where the Lord treats the psalmist as an honored guest. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This image shifts from, from the shepherd to that of a banquet, a victory celebration. You anoint my head with oil. This was not uncommon. Guests were anointed at feasts. Psalm 104, 15, Wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. Then in Luke 7, 46, You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. This is in reference to Jesus having his feet anointed with uh, valuable perfume. And he says this because they are in the midst of a dinner where a guest, an honored guest, was anointed with oil. This was a common act. It would not have been something that people didn't know about. We don't do that today. How awkward would it be if you walked into a restaurant or someone's house after they invited you for dinner, and all of a sudden they just poured oil on you and anointed your head with it? Well, this was what they did. And then in verse 6, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord Forever, he says, surely goodness and mercy, or surely goodness and mercy, or steadfast love. In some translations, shall follow me all the days of my life. That word "follow" is a military term, a Hebrew word "radaf," and it means a a great pursuit, uh, almost a pursuit of an enemy. Here, obviously, God is not our enemy. God is but it's using the same term as as if that's how god pursues us with his love and his mercy and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever like the sheep with its shepherd the psalmist quiets himself in god's assurance of an eternal home with him john 14:23 jesus gives us this assurance he says if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him And we will come to him and make our home with him. God is love and he is goodness and faithfulness. And that is saying that the best love, the best goodness, the best mercy, the best faithfulness will follow us, will pursue us all the days of our lives. If we are, if we are his children and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm is rich and uh, made a great musical setting. I will tell you that the way I have done the musical setting is I've taken the sixth verse and made it a refrain. So you will hear verses 1 through 5. They are divided into two stanzas of the hymn with a refrain after each stanza, and then the refrain is also repeated at the end. Uh, This is certainly one that could be used in the context of corporate worship uh, for congregational singing if someone wanted to. Uh, It was a lot of fun, and it was rich and just very formative to read this and to set this to music. So I hope and pray that you receive a blessing from this, Psalm 23. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.
1: The mm-hmm. Nevermore.